0: of our time. I want to wish all of you, our listeners, a late happy Thanksgiving. I hope that you all had a wonderful time um, eating and fellowshipping with friends and family. It really is a great time of the year that we get to spend time to be thankful for all that God has given us, to be thankful for everything that God has been doing in our lives. And you know, this year, God has really been doing a lot. It's really amazing how fast God is manifesting his will here on earth. And, you know, as we've been talking about, God is really accelerating the time for his people. So those of us that that are faithful, those of us that are committed, are going to begin to see, and some of us have already seen, but you're going to begin to see manifestations happening in your life if we continue to pursue God and follow his ways of doing things in all that we do. So, as I said, you know, we have so much to be thankful for today. And it's just so important that we continue to recognize, you know, sit back, recognize what God has done in our lives. You know, you can look back a couple of years, a couple of months, and think, wow, where would I be now if not for God, right? Where would I be now without his mercy, without his goodness? And so we can always. Be thankful for that. We're thankful for all that God has done for us. We're thankful for all that he's given us, all the opportunities that he's given us. And it's so important that when God appears in our life, when God begins to reveal himself to us, that we take a hold of him, right? And we don't let go. Whatever instruction he's given us, whatever blessing he's given us, whatever we've been given, we have to make sure to grab it. And not let go. You know, in the scripture, Abraham miraculously conceived Isaac through Sarah, right? And so then Isaac had sons of his own. And the Bible tells the story of these two twin sons, Jacob and Esau. And it says, while Isaac, while his wife, Rebekah, when she was pregnant, and this is in Genesis 25, verse 21. So it says that Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. The Lord answered his prayer and his wife, Rebecca, became pregnant. Verse 22, the babies jostled with each other within her. And she said, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire to the Lord. And that's just such a funny picture that because if you know the story, you'll know that these two brothers will be in conflict with one another. And so even in her womb, they were jostling and they were wrestling and they were contending with each other even before they were born, which is just such a funny image considering what would happen later on in their life. So in verse 23, it says, The Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other and the older will serve the younger. So we know the time later came and she gave birth to twins. And the first one to come out was Esau. The Bible says is that when he first came out, he was red. And it said that his whole body was covered in a hairy garment. So they named him Esau, which means hairy. <laughs> a very original name, I know. And then after Esau came out, the second brother came out as well. But he was grasping at Esau's heel. So Esau was pulled out first, but the second child was holding on to his ankle. He's like, you're not going to get out of here before I am. And so Rebecca and Isaac named the second child Jacob, which means he who grasps the heel. (laughs) Again, very original names, but it's just very funny thinking about the dynamic that these two young men would later have in their lives. And so they grew up. Esau became a hunter. He hunted wild game and prepared it. But Jacob, he kind of stayed around the house. He wasn't a hunter like Esau was. But Jacob really valued the blessing of God. Okay, And he really valued having God's blessing in his life. And that's something we as Christians need to have. But we're going to see that Jacob valued above all else that he was even willing to deceive his own brother. He was even willing to be manipulative. We see that later in this chapter, right, Esau comes back from hunting and he's hungry and he's tired and he's frustrated, right? And he sees Jacob with the red stew and he says, quick, Jacob, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished, right? And then Jacob replied, well, I'll give it to you. But first you have to sell me your birthright. Because Jacob wanted the birthright of the firstborn. And Esau says, I'm about to die here. I'm so hungry. What good is a birthright to me if I starve here anyway, right? And obviously he's not going to starve, but he's so frustrated and he's so hungry, right? He's venting out in frustration. So Jacob said, well, swear to me first, right? So he's kind of teasing his older brother a little bit. Swear to me first that you'll give me your birthright. So, in that moment, Esau swore to Jacob that he would have his birthright. And then Jacob gave him some food. But the scripture said, and this is in verse 34, of Genesis 25, verse 34, it says, Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank and then got up to leave. And so Esau despised his birthright. And see, so even if maybe Esau wasn't serious in that moment... Esau didn't value the blessing that he had been given, right? He he wasn't grateful for it. He didn't value it. He didn't see it as important, right? So he was willing to sell it for something as simple as a stew. And the Lord noticed that, okay? And he noticed how Jacob valued it, and Esau did not, okay? And we see later on, Jacob also deceives Isaac into giving a blessing over him instead of Esau. Isaac was, was going blind from his old age, and he tells Esau, go hunt me some wild game and feed it to me, and then I'll give you my blessing. But Jacob disguised himself as Esau and came before Isaac. And in that moment, Isaac blessed Jacob instead of Esau. And again, here he uses deception. But the thing is, is that even though he was in the wrong here, God noticed that he desired the blessing above all else, right? And that's something that's very important. And so in that moment, Esau, when he returns back and sees what had happened, he's so angry and he's thinking to himself, I I kill my brother after father dies, right? He's plotting these things. He has all this angerness and bitterness. And so Jacob and Esau's mother, Rebekah, tells Jacob to go and leave so that the brother wouldn't kill him and maybe his anger would subside. So Jacob leaves and he goes to one of his mother's brothers, whose name is Laban. So Jacob went to stay with Laban and began to work for Laban, and Jacob began to fall in love with one of Laban's daughters. Okay, so this is in Genesis twenty-nine, and this is starting with verse fourteen. So this is after Jacob had been working for Laban for a while. Okay? It says, Then Laban said to him, You are my own flesh and blood. After Jacob had stayed with him for a whole month, Laban said to him, Just because you are a relative of mine, should you work for me for nothing? Tell me what your wages should be. Now, Laban had two daughters. The name of the older one was Leah, and the name of the younger one was Rachel. Now, Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Jacob was in love with Rachel and said, I'll work for you for seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, It's better that I give her to you than to some other man. Stay here with me. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. So at the end of the seven years, Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife. My time is completed, and I want to make love to her. So Laban brought together a feast and all the people. But when the evening came, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob, and Jacob made love to her. And Laban gave his servant Zilpah to his daughter as an attendant. So when the morning came, there was Leah instead of Rachel. So Jacob said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? I served for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? And you can see here, Jacob is reaping a little bit of what he sowed earlier in deception, right? He was deceiving his brother, and now he has reaped deception in return. But uh, that's a little bit of a side note, so I digress. But Verse 26, so Laban replied, It is not our custom here to give the younger daughter in marriage to before the older one. Finish this daughter's bridal week, and then we'll give you the younger one also in return for another seven years of work. So Laban basically is able to deceive Jacob and trick him into serving him for another seven years. And we find out later it's because Laban recognizes that. He's becoming more rich, and he's becoming more prosperous because of Jacob. So he wants to hold on to him as long as he can, even if it's by deception. So Jacob did so. He finished the week with Leah. Then Laban gave his daughter, Rachel, to be his wife. And then it goes on to say, so Jacob worked for Laban for another seven years. And this whole time, the blessing is now on Laban's house because Jacob is there. Because remember, God recognized how Jacob valued the blessing. Okay. So when he was working and when he was serving Laban, Laban got blessed because of Jacob's zealousness. Okay. Now we're going to continue on to the next chapter. Okay. So this is at the end of the seven years, and Jacob's beginning to think to himself, look, I need to establish a family for my own. Here I am, I've been serving Laban all these years, right? But what am I going to have for my own children, right? What am I going to, what is my legacy going to be? So this is in Genesis chapter 30, verse 25. So after Rachel gave birth to Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, and so Jacob and Leah, they both have had children, okay? So Jacob said to Laban, send me on my way so I can go back to my homeland. Give me my wives and children for whom I have served you, and I will be on my way. You know how much work I've done for you, right? So he's trying to cash in now. Hey, I got to, it's time for me to leave. It's time for me to move on and and accomplish my own destiny and receive the calling that God has for me, right? And, And fulfill the calling God has for me. And remember at the beginning, God said that both Esau and Jacob were two nations, right? That would be made. So Jacob's destiny is that he's going to be turned into a great nation. But Laban said to him in the next verse, If I have found favor in your eyes, please stay, because I have learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. He added, name your wages, and I will pay them, right? So Laban has realized that his flocks have increased, his riches have increased, because Jacob is there. And you have to understand, those of us that are serving God faithfully and diligently and obeying God and his ways of doing things, the blessing follows you wherever you go. Okay, so, but Laban has realized that Jacob is making him rich. He doesn't want to let him go. So he's telling him, name your wages. I'll pay you whatever you want. So Jacob said to him, okay, you know how I've worked for you and how your livestock has fared under my care. The little you had before I came has greatly increased and the Lord has blessed you wherever I have been. But now, when may I do something for my own household? What shall I give you? Laban said, Don't give me anything, Jacob replied. But if you will do this one thing for me, I will go on tending your flocks and watching over them. Let me go through all your flocks today. Remove from them every speckled or spotted sheep, every dark-colored lamb, and every spotted or speckled goat. They will be my wages, and my honesty will testify for me in the future. Whenever you check on the wages you have paid me, Any goat in my possession that is not speckled or spotted, and any lamb that is not colored will be considered stolen. And Laban agreed to these terms. So that day, he removed all the male goats that were streaked or spotted, and all the speckled or spotted female goats, and all the dark-colored lambs, he placed them in the care of his sons. Then he put a three-day journey between himself and Jacob, while Jacob continued to tend the rest of Laban's flocks. Jacob, however, took fresh-cut branches from poplar, almond, and plane trees and made white stripes on them by peeling back the bark and exposing the white inner wood of the branches. Then he placed the peeled branches in all the watering troughs so that they would be directly in front of all the flocks when they came to drink. When the flocks were in heat and came to drink, they mated in front of the branches, and then they bore young that were streaked or speckled or spotted. Jacob set apart the young of the flock themselves, but made the rest face streaked and dark-colored animals that belonged to Laban. Thus, he made separate flocks for himself and did not put them with Laban's animals. Whenever the stronger females were in heat... Jacob would place the branches in the troughs in front of the animals so that they would mate near the branches. But if the animals were weak, he would not place them there. So the weak animals went to Laban, and the strong ones went to Jacob. In this way the man grew exceedingly prosperous and came to own large flocks, and female and male servants, and camels and donkeys." So what was Jacob doing here? Well, he had been caring for all the sheep. So whenever the strong males and females mated, he always was placing spotted, speckled, striped objects in front of them when they were drinking and when they were mating with each other. So he used a bit of subliminal messaging, I guess you could say, and they would give birth to spotted or striped animals, except if they were weak. If they were weak, then he would not place spotted or speckled branches in front of them. So that's just such an interesting idea, right? Where did Jacob come up with this idea to place striped and spotted and speckled branches in front of the sheep? Where on earth would he have come up with this idea, right? Well, it actually came from divine inspiration. We see in the next chapter Jacob is preparing to leave Laban because now Laban is realizing that his his flocks are shrinking, right? Jacob is getting all of the strong animals while he's getting all the weak ones, right? Because of their previous agreement. So Jacob in chapter 31 Verse four, it says, he sent word to Rachel and Leah to come out to the fields where his flock were. He said to them, I see that your father's attitude toward me is not what it was before, but the God of my father has been with me. You know that I've worked for your father with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me by changing my wages ten times. However, God has not allowed him to harm me. If he said the speckled ones would be your wages, then all the flocks would give work to speckled young. And if he said the streaked ones will be your wages, then all the flocks bore streaked young. So God has taken away your father's livestock and has given them to me. And so what just happened? That was a transfer of wealth, influence, and affluence from Laban to Jacob. And so next, Jacob reveals where he got this idea about the wages. Verse 10, it says, In the breeding season, I once had a dream in which I looked up and saw that the male goats mating with the flock were streaked, speckled, or spotted. Then the angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, I answered, here I am. And he said, look up and see that all the male goats mating with the flock are streaked, speckled, or spotted. For I have seen all that Laban has been doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar, and where you made a vow to me. Now leave this land at once and go back to your native land. So God provided a vision of the speckled and spotted sheep. And that's how Jacob knew what his wages would be. And see, this is an interesting parallel as well, because how many in the body of Christ have been slaving away, right? Serving another master. Jacob's call, God called him to leave the land because he's going to turn him into a great nation, right? So Jacob's destiny was not serving Laban, right? But Jacob had been serving Laban for years and years and years, and many in the body of Christ feel like they've been serving and working where they're not supposed to be for years and years and years, right? Well, those of you that have another call, that have felt frustrated, understand God will provide the vision that will lead you to your destiny, and it's up to you to follow it. Just in the same way God provided Jacob the vision that would lead him away from Laban and back to his promised land. In the same way, God is going to provide you the vision to lead you to your promised land and away from servitude to another master, right? But you have to obey. And those of us, you know, Jacob was faithful, okay, where he was for years and years and years and years, and God saw that. Right? So those of you who have been faithful where you are, God is going to provide that vision. And those of you who haven't been faithful, don't fret or be discouraged because God has been accelerating the time. So if we begin to be faithful now, if we begin to stand up and be faithful in the position that God has placed us now, God will accelerate the time and then soon you too will receive the vision, the instructions, the inspiration, whatever it is from God that will lead you down his perfect path for you. Okay. And that's something we have to understand. So Jacob saw the vision from God and he took a hold of it and he acted on it. And that's what we have to do as the body of Christ. And the last thing I want to leave you with here is that, so Jacob leaves Laban and he's preparing to meet his brother and he's really stressed out about meeting his brother because he's afraid that he's his brother is still angry, right? So the night leading up to meeting Esau again. And we know later on they reconcile, but at the moment Jacob wasn't didn't really know his brother's state of mind. But leading up to meeting Esau, it says in Genesis thirty two, verse twenty two. It says, That night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, "Let me go, for it is daybreak, the sun is coming up." But Jacob replied, "I will not let you go until you bless me." The man asked him, "What is your name?" Jacob he answered. Then the man said, "Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome." So what happened? God appeared as a man before Jacob, and Jacob grabbed a hold of him, okay, and said, I'm not going to let go until you bless me. And even after he messes up Jacob's hip, he still doesn't let go. All night, Jacob wrestles with God, refusing to let go and says, I'm not going to let go until you bless me. And so in that moment, God changes Jacob's name. He changes his name from Jacob to Israel. And the cool thing about that is that the name Israel comes from the Hebrew words for wrestle and God. So God changed his name from Jacob, the one who grasps at the heel, to the one who wrestles with God, right? And what's so interesting, right, because the nation of Israel was established and the nation of Israel was God's holy people, right? So what's the significance of that? Why would God name The nation of his chosen people, Israel, those who struggle with God, those who wrestle with God. And the reason for that is because God's chosen people are those who see God, take a hold of him, and don't let go no matter what. No matter what's happening, no matter the pain that they have in their body or emotionally, they don't let go of God when they see him. And that's the attitude that we have to take as believers when God reveals himself to us, when God opens an opportunity to us, we have to take a hold of it, right? And not let go of it. If we see that opening where God has appeared in our life and begins working in our life, we don't want to lose sight of it. And that is the attitude that God admired so much in Jacob, who now is called Israel, is that, When Jacob saw an opportunity for God's blessing to manifest in his life, he seized that opportunity whenever he saw it. And he didn't let go of it no matter what. Well, I hope you guys got something out of this and that you will take a hold and seize the opportunities that God has for you. And again, I just want to wish you a late Thanksgiving. We have so much to be thankful for. So many opportunities and revelations that God has given us In addition, I just want to remind you guys about the Prophetic Gathering of the Saints. If you haven't registered yet, you need to go to our website, SOGMI.org, and register for the Prophetic Gathering of the Saints. We're holding it here in San Antonio at the Hilton Garden Inn, December 31st at 730. You don't want to miss it because every year, God really moves. God really moves every year and continues to reveal himself at this meeting. So it's a free event Anyone can show up, but it's, it's limited seating, so you got to sign up. Again, go to our website, SOGMI.org. You don't want to miss the Prophetic Gathering of the Saints. And again, if you enjoyed this broadcast, if this message touched you, then I encourage you, support us online, again, at our website. It's listeners like you that are supporting us and keeping us on the air. And we have some exciting developments that we're going to be announcing about expansion opportunities to new states and cities This radio show is growing, and we're really working to reach the nations. So thank you so much for your support. If you want to support us, go to our website, sogmi.org, that dot org slash donate. And may you, those of you that support us, may you receive a tenfold and hundredfold return. We are going to continue expanding and preaching the gospel and discipling God's people. So I want to thank you so much for tuning in. Be blessed. Happy Thanksgiving, and until next time, God bless you.